Hi everybody, Mike Wardrock from Encounter Church here, and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. So I got hooked into this reality TV show, much to my shame. And I found it interesting because, like, what, what's my parenting style? What parenting style uh, did my parents have? I, it was an interesting thing to think about. But, uh, but as, I, as I took a break from it, stopped watching it, uh, it left this bad taste in my mouth. It didn't sit very well with me. What would, what would knowing Australia's best parenting style really tell us? really give us in the area of parenting. And I think that's because we have a problem when we approach parenting like they're approaching it on the reality TV show. You see, in parental guidance, we see all these different approaches to parenting. Each of them come with a kind of vision of what, uh, what kind of children they want to raise and shape and form. And these, these, these styles, they work either brilliantly, depending on the challenge, or terribly, depending on the challenge. One of the challenges was to, uh, to put up a, uh, a beach tent shelter thing um, as a family. And no one was surprised when the disciplined uh, style of family just crushed it. <laughs> uh, teamwork, encouraging each other, you do that, you do that, done. Uh, and nobody should have been surprised when the free-range family just rejected the premise and went and played in the water. <laughs> Parenting styles and techniques, they're great things, and they can be really helpful as, we try, as parents try to shape uh, the child, kind of person our child becomes. But it doesn't consider the most important ingredient in the shaping of a child, and that's the parent. That's what the parent is like, their presence and their nature in the child's life. That's the most important ingredient in parenting. Uh, there's a family therapist who is no longer, with, uh, no longer alive, but um, his name is Edwin Friedman, and he, and he says this uh, in his book, A Failure of Nerve. Parenting is no different from any other kind of managing. The critical issues in raising children have far less to do with proper technique than with the nature of the parent's presence and the type of emotional processes they engender. So the critical issue in raising children is less technique and more the emotional system, the parent's presence or lack of presence creates in the child's life. Now this is a book about leadership, it's not about parenting, but he constantly comes back to parenting because it's that interpersonal dynamic that uh, there's such a strong example. matters far more what the presence of the, the parent is like in the child's life than any technique or style they use. So the problem uh, I think we can fall into when we come to parenting is that we look to these outward things in order to shape our kids. We, we, we put these external things hoping to shape them inward. You know, we send them to kids' church and youth uh, and we hope that, uh, or we do that because we want them to have a faith. We put them in sport because we want them to develop teamwork and exercise and learn hard work. We, uh, we set boundaries around things like social media to, to teach them dis- um, restraint and discipline. 
but the greatest factor in their formation is us. And so instead of looking outward, we need to look inward. What's our faith like? Do our kids see it? Do we work hard? Do we play well as a team? Do we have discipline and set boundaries and show restraint? They're watching. I don't know if you remember that um, parenting saying from days gone by, do what I say and not what I do. Has anyone, has anyone been, was parented that way? Wow, okay. Um, uh, so that, uh, uh, my dad tells me stories. That was my grandpa's favorite saying, particularly around his smoking. Um, so he used to smoke quite a lot. And, and I wonder if you can guess what happened to kids who were parented. Um, for those in your room, you probably can. When a parent says, do what I say and not what I do, what do they end up doing? They do what they do and not what they say. So when inevitably my, dad, uh, my grandpa discovered my dad smoking one of his ciggies you know, around the corner, uh, he, he made him smoke the whole pack. Uh, and my dad threw up everywhere and never smoked again. Wouldn't get away with that today, I don't think, in parenting. Um, so why does this happen? Why, why is the parent's presence and nature the most significant factor in a child, the raising of a child? From Friedman again, he's, Friedman says, it's because people can, ri- can rarely rise above the level of the maturity of their leaders or mentors, from parents to presidents. How can they not grow if we're not growing? How, are they, how can they not grow in their faith? How can they grow in their faith if we're not growing in our faith? How can they have a, grow to have a healthy lifestyle if we aren't growing to have a healthy lifestyle? How can they learn restraint? If they're not seeing us, show restraint. You know, I feel, I feel deeply convicted by that Friedman quote. It would be rare for my children to raise above the maturity level of, of their parents, which is part me. Rarely to rise above the level of my own maturity. Lord help them. Thank God for their mother. She's far more mature than me. <laughs> See, when I became a dad, parenting uh, revealed to me just how emotionally immature I actually am. And it was quite confronting. And, and you know, maybe because of that, I want Judah to grow into a man who is, is emotionally mature, who, as Dallas Willard says, is in a position to control what is wanted in terms of what is good. Emotional maturity is to be in a position to control what is wanted in terms of what is good. But how can he grow into, mature, into emotional maturity if I am not also growing into emotional maturity? How can he position himself if he doesn't see me position himself? As a parent, I have to go first. If you've got your Bibles, can you open them up and we're going to turn to John 5, 19 to 21. Jesus is in Jerusalem. Uh, he's just healed a guy on the Sabbath. The Sabbath being a, a weekly day for, for rest and worship of God. Um, and to, to work on the Sabbath was uh, a big cultural no-no. Uh, so people weren't very happy about that. So Jesus, as he tends to do, just decides to stir the pot just a little bit more. He's really driving in there. Uh, he says to them, well, look, my, my father works on the Sabbath, so why can't I? And uh, who's the only person who's, who's allowed to work on the Sabbath? Who has to work on the Sabbath? Who has to hold the universe together still on the Sabbath? It's God. Uh, and I mean, that's the reason why, as, as followers of Jesus, it's so important for us t- to keep the Sabbath as well, because um, it reminds us that even when we're at rest, 
God is still at work. That we can rest because God's holding the universe together, but that's, that's a sermon for another day. <laughs> so this is a huge blasphemy, huge no-no. Uh, and so um, where we're up to in this passage, Jesus is starting to talk to them. And, and he's making a point here, but um, what, we wanna, what we're going to look at today is to notice, not, not what he's trying to say, but notice the relationship between the Father and the Son that is revealed, the insight we get to the relationship between a father and the son. And there are four movements, four elements in this passage that we can see between the father and the son. The first one is that the parent goes first. The father is already doing it. The second one is that the parent has a loving, secure relationship with the child. The father loves the son. The third is that the parent shows the child what the parent is doing. The father shows him all he himself is doing. And the fourth is the child then does what the parent does. As the father gives, so also the son gives. So why is it that children do what we do and not what we say? Maybe. Why is it the nature of the presence of the parent is the most significant factor in the formation of a child? Why do our kids ultimately become like us? That's because God, God's good intention for parenting is that, the, 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 in, that in a loving, secure relationship between the child and the parent, a child is formed into maturity by the nature and presence of the parent in their life. They learn how to be mature because the parent, from the parent's maturity. The parent goes first. The parent has a loving, secure relationship with the child. The parent shows the child what the parent does, and then the child can then do what the parent does. And this doesn't just apply to actions um, either. This applies to emotional maturity and it applies to character. For example, let, let's consider how does, how does a kid learn to forgive? Well, the parent has to forgive first. The parent has to have a, uh, has, have a loving, secure relationship with the child. The parent has to show the child how to forgive by asking for forgiveness and then forgiving the child. And because of that, the child learns to forgive because they've asked forgiveness and they've been forgiven, because they've had to offer forgiveness. But unfortunately, this, this, I think this also works in the opposites, it works in negatives as well. Um, what if the parent does not forgive or ask forgiveness from the child? What if the relationship with the child either lacks security or love or both? What if the parent requests the child to, to apologize for an offense against them? The child may apologize, but the child won't learn to forgive. See, God's good intention uh, for parenting is that in a loving, secure relationship, a child is formed by the nature and presence of the parent into maturity. So what if there isn't a loving, secure relationship? What if the nature and the presence of the parent did not teach maturity but immaturity? What if it didn't teach emotional health but uh, unhealthy emotional processes and systems within the child? was not empowering for the child, but actually traumatic and painful. And that can actually be devastating for a child's development into maturity. And I think it's helpful just to acknowledge that for some of us, that actually might be our story today. That our parents dropped the ball big time, and we carry the devastating impact of that around with us, and it impacts our relationships, whether it be friendships, relationships, but it also uh, can impact the way that we parent. But I want to let you know that God has good news for you today even despite all that. 
Because that, uh, that might be your story, but your story might also be that the relationship with your parents were loving and secure, but they weren't present. It was great when they were there, but, but that wasn't often. It was few and far between. Or maybe the, your relationship with your parents was present, um, but not loving and secure. Uh, they were there, but you didn't know how they were going to respond to you. You didn't know what you were going to get from them uh, on different days. Or perhaps, you know, your, 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 your relationship with your parents was loving, secure, and they were present. But you're just realizing you've grabbed all these unhelpful natures and behaviors and picked them up from the parent and your parents and you're, you're living them and you're just, they're in your life and you can't get rid of them. Or perhaps today you're a, you're a parent and you're realizing that you've dropped the ball in some way. You've not been as present as you could have. You've not gone first. You might have passed on unhealthy natures or, um, or behaviors to your kids or your relationship has not been as secure and loving as maybe it ought to have been. For everyone today, God has good news for you. It's not the end of the story. It doesn't have to be like that. God's made a way. And I want to tell you today that God's good news in all of this, and all of this can be so painful because it's so close to us. His good news in this is that actually God is a parent. God is a parent. And everything that is true of what a parenting relationship should be is true of God and the relationship that you were created to have with him. God has gone first. Ephesians 1.5 says that God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. God offers us a secure, loving relationship with himself. He promises us, never will I leave you nor forsake you. That nothing can ever separate us from his love. And by being with God, by being in his presence, we actually can learn his nature. We can become like him. He says to us, let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest from your souls. It's Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. And because of all those things, we can become like him and do what he does. God says, anyone who believes in me will do the, uh, the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. Through the movement and the work of God, Father, Son, and Spirit, we have access to the kind of relationship that will not just bring us to maturity in Christ, but so thoroughly bring healing to our souls and burn away the sin that so easily entangles us. So that over the course of our life, day by day, as we're walking with God, we're in His presence, we uh, can become more and more like our Father in heaven. Jesus says uh, in Matthew's Gospel, uh, you should be like your, your father in heaven who is perfect. You should be perfect like your father. And we can go, wow, that's, that's too much. I'm not perfect. I know I'm not perfect. But that is the work of God in our lives to bring us to perfection over the course of our lives. Um, I heard, uh, oh, I've got to throw John Mark Homer in here. Um, I, heard, uh, I heard a sermon a while ago where he made this really interesting point. I don't know if I agree with it, but it's John Mark, so I'm just going to let it slide. Um, <laughs> that, you know, you look at people in their 90s and in their 100s, and they're either the most amazing, kind, caring, emotionally healthy people you've ever met, or they've gone the other way, and they're bitter, and they're resentful. And I think there's some truth in that. God, over the course of our life, wants to bring us to maturity and to perfection, and he does that by his presence in our life. You know, this is actually incredible, because... uh, 
psychologists say that the way to begin to heal from the wounds of uh, the lack or the, uh, the wounds of a, uh, what wasn't necessarily a loving or secure relationship, particularly from your parents, is actually to form new, secure, loving relationships. Whether that be someone who steps into the gap as a parent for you early in life or later in life, whether that, that's, a, that's a, a life partner or a husband or a wife or, or even a really, really deep friendship or a spiritual friendship. Those, um, those relationships, forming those new loving, secure relationships is how we heal from the wounds of not having a loving, secure relationship. But the problem with that is that those relationships with um, a husband or a wife or a best friend or a spiritual friendship are limited in their capacity for love and security. It's hard to hear, but it's actually true. But God is not. God is unlimited in both love and security. And his love is the most secure, the safest place in the universe that we could possibly be. That means whatever your story, how deeply you've been wounded, and even how deeply you have wounded, throwing ourselves into the arm of God is the best thing we can do for ourselves and the best thing that we can do for our kids. God is the epitome of a, a loving, secure relationship. And when we throw ourselves into that, that's where our healing begins. See, the very real presence and intangible presence of God in our lives, it rubs off on us, it shapes us. It does all the same things that, that, uh, that happens between a parent and a child. And that's because he is our father and we are a beloved son and daughter of him. And children are shaped by the nature and presence of their parents. I wonder if you know today that you're a beloved son and daughter of God. See, I didn't really get this until I became a dad. One day, when Judah was quite little, it just hit me with a ton of bricks that this kid has done nothing but poo, he's done nothing but sleep, and he's been nothing but eat, and yet I adore him. <laughs> when he was born, I just couldn't stop kissing him. I love him. I love him so much. I loved and love him for so much. And so why do I think it's any different between God and me? Why do, you think, why do I think that God sees me some, somehow differently? Why do I think that I have to somehow uh, do the right thing and to earn his love or, um, or that he loves me when I'm useful to him in some way? It's just not true. He loves me because I'm his child, I'm his kid. And he adores me. And it only really sunk in until I, I had a kid myself. Don't wait for that. Lock that in now. Even if your experience of family has left a lot to be desired, God wants to step into that gap and fill it with his presence and love. Uh, my grandpa was in, of a generation that, um, that struggled to show affection externally. Um, it seems to be pretty classic of that generation. But when he passed away, my dad shared with me that he basically um, uh, had no memory of his dad ever kissing him or hugging him or showing physical affection to him in that way. And for... For my dad, this was a, a deep wound. There was something missing there between his relationship with his dad and, and the gr him grieving his dad. Uh, there's a big part of that. Um, but for my dad, when he became a Christian at the age of 16 at a youth group, uh, God's presence came into his life and it rubbed off him and it began to heal him. So when I was born about nine years later, he, he told me that he made an active decision that he was going to kiss me, that he was going to hug me, and then he was going to show physical affection towards me. 
And maybe because of that, or maybe that's just because of how, I'm, how God created me to be, is I'm like a thousand percent on the, the physical touch love language. <laughs> like physical affection is my love language. I don't know if I have any other ones. Um, if I haven't hugged you, it's because I've got good boundaries, all right? Um, so, so because I, I grew up like that and it was normal for me, my dad made it normal for me, is that I used to just go and kiss my grandpa and hug my grandpa as a little kid. And, and my dad told me that when he died that he really struggled with that at first. He really struggled with the amount of affection that I had for him. But he grew to love it and warm to it and it became normal. You see, this is what God does in people's lives. These things that can happen, they can happen in cycles of families, but God is a cycle breaker. He comes into the midst of us, into our wounds, into our baggage, and he brings his healing so that we are free to love. By his death and resurrection, Jesus has broken the cycles of sin and death, and because of that, we are free to love God broke the cycle of, uh, in my family's life of dads who couldn't show affection to their kids. And in doing that, they broke it for my family and for my kids and for my kids' kids. But that's only one area. I can see in my, my two-year-old signs that has already begun to pick up on my immaturity and my sin. I can already see my fear in him. Just today when we were praying, Judah ran up to me. He's like, Daddy, people are scary. It's like, yeah, mate, I know. People are, ter- <laughs> People are terrifying. You're right. Uh, did I pick that up from my folks? Yeah. There's a lot of fear in my family. Did, did my folks pick that up from, from their folks? Yeah. But am I still complicit in this? Yeah. Still my fear. So what should my response be? Well, it shouldn't be striving to control uh, the outward external of my kids' lives. Because I'll either expose them to too much and break them, and they'll become even more afraid, or I'll bubble wrap them, and and then they'll become even more afraid. Both of those approaches just result in more fear. So no, it's not striving. It's not looking outward, but it's looking inward. It's looking deeply at my life and taking the example of the Father and the Son and going first, showing him that my love for him is secure, Conquering my fears with him in his presence so that he can learn and see how to conquer his own. But I'm not capable of doing this by sheer willpower. I need to have the presence of God in my life. I need to be reminded that he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. And I need that spirit of love, power and a sound mind to rub off on me, to conquer my fear, to heal my fear, so that I'm free to love my kids, free to not make decisions out of fear for my kids. Parents, this is my encouragement to you today, and and maybe particularly to fellow dads, almost dads, or one-day dads, or dads for a long time even. Uh, The best thing we can do for our kids, whether they're all grown up or just a sparkle in your eye, is to grow ourselves. And it's actually to deal with the stuff that we've got going on inside, the space, the unhealthy spaces we operate out of, so that they don't have to deal with it. We will learn how to turn that gas off when life causes us to boil over so that our kids don't get burnt. 
You see it time and time again. You read any biography of anyone who's famous, where are the kids? What's happened to the kids? How the kids have been affected? Almost all of them, they sacrifice their kids on the altar of their success. And that's just my, like, that might be harsh, but that's my perspective. And I don't want that for my kids. I don't want to do that. So whatever it is you need to deal with, whether that's laziness, anger, impatience, arrogance, dishonesty, entitlement, self-pity, whatever it is, you know what it is, the stuff you've got going on inside. Today I want to encourage you, hit it like an Adelaide lockdown. Hard, (laughs) early. Don't hit it like the rest of the states, Adelaide. Adelaide's the best. Hard and early. Do the work now. And if you're already in the parenting game, that thing about an apple tree, you know, best time was to plant it 20 years ago, the second best time is today. Do it now, do it today. The best, place to do, the best place to take these things is the presence of God for healing. The second best place is to take it to a spiritual friendship or a life group. And the third best place is to actually go and get counselling. And I personally recommend and do all three. And we just got to do it. We got to hit it hard early. Because our kids will take the brunt of it if we don't. Whatever story you bring to parenting today, or of being parented or, or, or uh, having parents, God has good news for you. And that's that, that because of what Christ has done, God has gone first. And we can have his presence in our lives, both us and our kids. And that that presence, as we walk with him through every day and every stage of life, will bring healing to us and bring us to maturity in him. God's presence brings peace, it brings wholeness, and it brings healing. That is good news, is it not? So today, where do you need to go first? What from your own family do you need to bring into the presence of Christ for healing? What are you looking outward for a solution where you actually need to just be considering inward? How am I complicit with this? Or perhaps today, parenting is just too painful. There's too much fog, but it's too much. Um, The answer is still to bring it to the presence of God. Because it's in that loving, secure relationship that God can wipe the fog from our eyes so we can see clearly what needs to happen less. Do you believe that in God's arms it's the safest place in the universe? Uh, The band can come up if if they'd like to. Today, uh, because we've been talking about the presence of God, if, that, if you've never had that before, if you've never come into the presence of God, you've never said yes to Jesus, we're going to give you a space to respond and to connect with God for the first time tonight. Not because this place is special, but there is something special in us making that commitment. There is something special in positioning ourselves. All of this is great. God doesn't need in all of this, though. We can come to God anywhere. We worship him in spirit and truth. Not in a temple, not in a church. But God's given us a choice. And he gives us a choice out of love for him, uh, his love for us, because he doesn't want to force himself on us. What kind of relationship would that be? But God invites us to take that choice and to give it back to him, to choose God. And respond to the good news of what he's done for us. If that's you today, uh, we're just going to bow our uh, heads and close our eyes. Uh, just out of respect, and, and I'm going to count to three, just because that's what Mike does. Um, and it's good. And 
And at the count of three, if that's you, if you've never, um, you've never had God's presence in your life before and, and you want that because you can see what it brings, it brings healing, it brings wholeness, it brings love, it brings security, then I just invite you on three just to raise your hand. One, God loves you. He has gone first to bring you into his family. You. Two, he gives us his presence to bring us to wholeness and maturity in Christ. And three, if that's you, just slip up your hand. If you want to say Jesus to the first time, you, you want to say yes to Jesus for the first time. Thank you. Now, if you've already said yes to Jesus, um, but today you're realizing that maybe you just need to repent of some things, I know sometimes I come from church going, oh man, I just need to come before God and say, I'm sorry, I messed up, I dropped the ball. If that's you today, then I just invite you um, just to bring God to attention in your mind and just speak with him and, and say the things you need to say and do the things you need to do. And you, if you've already said yes to Jesus, but you, you desire more of his presence in your life, you need more healing, more wholeness, more peace. I know that I do. I want to encourage you to develop a habit, uh, and that is of praying a simple prayer. Come Holy Spirit. And we can do this while you worship today. You can do this in the car on the way home, in the grocery store, on the toilet, in the shower, anywhere, a coffee shop. Just bring God to attention in your mind. Give him your attention. And if you, if you start with a moment, then let that moment become a minute. And let that minute become an hour. And let that hour become days and let those days become the rest of your life. Because we were made to dwell in the presence of the Lord. But we need to position ourselves. We need to give him our attention. We need to come into his presence. So if that's you, I just invite you while we sing, just to say, and even now, just to say, come Holy Spirit. And learn to develop that in your life. Simple and easy, and it will help us a lot more and more to live in the presence of God. The presence of the God who has gone first. As he shows us that parents go first. Should we pray together? Lord Jesus, we just thank you for your goodness for us. We thank you that you've given us everything. You've done everything for us to be in a relationship with you. And so, God, will we choose you more? Will we choose you every day and every moment? We give our whole life as an offering to you, a living sacrifice. We lay it all down, all sin, all selfishness, all fear, as we step into your loving arms, the most secure and loving place in the whole universe. My God, we love you and we're thankful for you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. I pray that you were able to hear from God in a fresh way today. We would love to hear from our listeners. To connect with us or to financially support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to jump onto iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast provider and give us a rating and review. Or share this message on your social media accounts and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.